live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I knew sometime it was coming. You know, you kind of wait a long time. And last, last year at this time on my couch. So I think it was, you know, I've counted the games where I've dressed and prepared and didn't get in. It's up around 50, I think. But uh, so you just knew it was coming. You'd be patient. And uh, I think all that. All that preparation, all the, you know, being in it still, even though you haven't started, uh, really helped, came through tonight, um, you know, and making plays and stuff like that. Well, I think that's Mike White from the New York Jets. That's my guess. Oh, so close. No? Who else uh, started in Simeon? Well, no. Um, I'll give you a hint. Everybody picked, picked against him except this guy right here in the picks. Oh, oh, goodness gracious. It's Cooper Rush. Oh, Cooper oh, Rush. Oh, Cooper Rush. All right. I picked Give the Cowboys. Redhead's a good name everywhere. It was an amazing week, really, if you think about it from the quarterback situation. I mean, the guys that won, right? Geno yeah. Smith. Yep. Cooper Rush. Yep. Trevor Simeon beat mm -hmm. Tom Brady. And Mike White beat the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's been a week like that. But that is about as obscure as you can get. From an NFL quarterback position is that important, you know? I'm kidding, obviously, but yeah, it was it, it was an insane result, insane result. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to even think. Like the crazy part about that, like especially the Tampa win didn't make a lot of sense for the Saints. I mean, the Saints actually have defense though, so I guess really the one that doesn't make the most sense is probably the Jets. I mean, the Jets stink, and they got a guy coming in, and he's whatever, Yeah, and, he, and he's, he he's able to throw for 400 yards against, like you said, a Cincinnati defense that's been pretty good all year long, yes. and an offense that runs up and down the field. And by the way, they blew the lead. Like, it was 31-20 with a few minutes to go in the game. Mike White comeback. <laughs> Mike White comeback season. Just like we all predicted. And meanwhile, the Jags can't beat or even stay close to a 2-5 and five team. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. Well, uh, at least we saw the Detroit Lions to share misery with. Yeah, and they did it against a very average team as well. Yeah, so. Careful now. Very make a run with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Great great handoffs for Jalen Hurts on Sunday. Very good handoffs. It's funny. It's like I, walked, I looked up and it was like 44 points. I'm like, man, Jalen Hurts must have went off today. Nope, 103 yards passing. Yeah. <laughs> like 70 yards yeah. rushing. Yeah. It's like weird. Uh, it was kind of a little bit like Mac Jones, like your 27-24 game. Yeah. And you looked up, and you had to go search the box score, and you're like, oh, four field goals. Like, how do you get to 27? Four field goals, two touchdowns, and a two-point conversion. That'll get it done. <laughs> it's a little scorigami coming out. There is a little scorigami there um, as well. All right, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, 4 o'clock. We go around the league. NFL trade deadline has passed. And as Daniel Jeremiah just said, it's like, I love the NFL. I love NFL for agency. I love the NFL draft. I love the NFL offseason. I love NFL everything. Yeah. It's like the trade deadline sucks in the NFL, <laughs> and it does. And they brought, up the the that, bombs? They, they brought up the fact of compensatory picks, which is interesting, right? Because if you end up losing a guy in free agency or whatever, then you're going to get an extra pick added on. I mean, the value of picks is incredible in the NFL buildings, yeah. which makes it even more incredible that the Rams do what they do and give every one of them away. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've been very adamant about what the Rams have done, and, and I've broke this down a couple of times. Now, I'm not saying it's the right way to go about business because they don't have a Lombardi trophy to show for it yet, but they are having some pretty good success right now, and they are one of the favorites in the NFC. But the Rams essentially 
saw a look at how it works in the draft when you bring a first-round guy in. Okay, so when you bring a rookie in, you're not going to get his best play right away. Well, you still got to pay him first-round money. So then one would think by the time he reaches that third year or fourth year, when it's time to restructure a new deal, he's coming into his prime. So that way you have to already add, you have to pay more money from his rookie deal, and now you're getting him in his prime on his second deal. So that starts to add up after a while. And let's be honest, if you're talking about all your draft picks, there's no way you can keep all your draft picks in thinking like that. So what the Rams do is they say, okay, we're not going to have a lot of our first-round draft picks. There are some second rounds out there as well, and we're going to bring guys in their prime or just past their prime, and we're going to get the best football out of them. And when we're done with them, then we're going to cut them loose instead of having to be tied to signing them to a second-year deal. I don't think it's the worst, you know, scenario right now. Once again, they have no Lombardi trophy to show for it, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of years when, you know, that they are so, you know, player-driven and not so draft-heavy. But right now, the way it looks on paper, I don't think they're complaining about it. Yeah, you, you would think you would think that this will catch up with them at some point uh, if they don't win. Now, if you win, it, you did it, and you won. Yes. So that's fine. Yes. But to your point. And, uh, but you would think that it could catch up to them. Now, when they have drafted, they've drafted well. Cooper Cup. Yep. Van Jefferson. Yep. Um, I couldn't even tell Cam you they're offensive linemen. So, Cam Akers, who knows, right? Well, I mean, I mean but right. at the time, though, he was looks like he's very be promising, good, right? yeah. Uh, Tyler Higby is a draft pick of theirs. Okay. Uh, I believe I have that correct. Um, you look at Aaron Donald. He's been the staple and core player yep. of their franchise since 2014. Um, what else am I getting here? There's a couple other guys. I, I don't I mean... Taylor Rapp has played well for them at safety, you know, along with the back end of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. You know, so they've mixed together a few good draft picks along the way, but their studs have been acquired yes. from Leonard Floyd to Jalen Ramsey to uh, now Von Miller. Was Clay Matthews. Uh, was Dante Fowler. Yep. Um, yeah, it was those guys. Now Matthew Stafford, of course. Sony Michelle. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Woods. Brandon I mean, Cooks when they had him. Yeah, I mean, so you go, they've really tried that, and it's been good, and very few, by the way, like blockbuster picks. I mean, Aaron Donald's the one. Aaron Donald yes. became the guy, and they did well with Goff as well. I guess what I ask you is, like, would you be mad if the Jags tried this route? Their draft picks have been kind of overall, well, kind of. Their draft class has been overall terrible to begin with. Yeah. You know, so it's like, all right, we'll trade some of them away and just go do this. Like, you have the quarterback. You you think year two of Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. Go get some free agents and build around them with veteran guys, guys that know the game well. Don't have to wait around for Andre Sisco to get better, you know, or Tyson Campbell to get better. Yeah. You know, use those guys as depth, and then maybe one rises to the top because you do have to compliment yourself somewhere along the way. But – Maybe the Jags should go this route. I don't. I, I'm telling you, man. I'm tired of the draft picks. It's gonna be. It's gonna be 35 <laughs> draft picks in three years. 35 yeah, in three yeah, years. Yeah. I, I'm well, tired of the draft. Well, and maybe you want to see them use some of those like later rounds and trade up more. You know, like package yeah. three six round picks well, and trade up to a, a third round. I don't know how it works. You know, like you know. GMs. Uh, listen, I know this wasn't going to happen, okay? But GMs get so like. They're like, how could you ever do this? Mm -hmm. Trade up and go get a Kyle Pitts by trading a boatload of your other picks that yeah. you had. Yeah. And you say, how could you do that? Well, if you did do that, you might have a guy that could change your offense and change your game and change help change the league for the next 10 years. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it was feasible to do. Yeah. Uh, but 
I'm not even saying Atlanta would have done it. Yeah. But to go get guys that I look in this draft that Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts that everybody knew was going to be blockbuster good, mm -hmm. like, would it have been worth doing that? Atlanta did that with Julio Jones. He had an unbelievable career in Atlanta. Correct. Now, they didn't win big, but it was unbelievable for Matt Ryan, that offense, their quarterback, everything they put around him. So, yeah, but teams are like, I mean, with Robert Griffin, well, that whole thing with the, what happened, because wasn't there a huge trade? Well, Robert Griffin, they gave away everything. everything uh, but, you know, but they gave it up to go get Robert Griffin, the quarterback. Yeah. What I'm saying is now that you have the quarterback, okay. could you start going to accumulate players instead of picks? Yeah. You can, but you didn't see the Rams start doing this until they kind of know they had, you know, at least a decent roster a decent and a good roster, culture yeah. built. That's good. And, and, That's true. And you don't have that right now in Jacksonville. So um, if you had more certainty about what the future was going to look like and maybe you're a couple players here or there away, then, yeah, I would go after the Rams model and essentially lease these, you know, these pro players, you know, get a guy like Von Miller and say, hey, maybe you're here for a year or two years, whatever the case may be, but we just need, you know, what you close to your prime or past your prime, but we need your best. Uh, and then, you know, when it's done, then it's done. Uh, and you can wash your hands of everything. Just Jacksonville right now, from a team, from a culture standpoint, they're, they're just they don't have the you know they don't, they don't have the faculties to, to run that kind of operation yeah that's interesting and and almost now i'm starting to wonder if do you have to go do that just to get the the winning ways around here i mean just to learn how to win they have so many young guys that just don't know how to do it i i feel like this offense this defense right now would be better served under joe cullen and what they're trying to do with six or seven moderate players sure that know what they're doing yeah. on defense rather than a few guys that are young and might be good someday that don't know what they're doing. You know well, what I mean? No, for sure. But, like, let's look at Cincinnati real quick. What did Cincinnati do? Did, did they bring in some high-priced free agents that we're all talking about saying, wow, that, that was one that put them over the edge? No. And I can't even name a lot of players on Cincinnati's no, defense. Uh, I mean, obviously, on offense, they're, they're very dynamic. And, you know, adding that first-round uh, Joe Burrow, the number one pick overall, helped things as well. Uh, and Jamar Chase as well. But, like, it's not like Cincinnati – rewrote the book of how to take a team that was essentially what was lifeless and now you inject life into them they just they built through the draft they got dynamic players you got your quarterback and you have some pretty good coaching yeah um that, that's the recipe and, and every single team can do that the jaguars have the draft capital they just can't pull the trigger on the right draft picks right now well the like. good thing is it looks like they've got the quarterback and when you have the quarterback you can start doing all these other things a lot easier and even rams did it the opposite way yeah. You know, they got the quarterback they thought at first, but he sure. really wasn't it. They built this roster up, and then they went and got the co better quarterback. Like, they one even was, did that yeah. weird. Well, when right? I said that they almost, they, they got their coach. Yeah. they Because, they, 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 you know, coming from Jeff Fisher, yeah. who was, it was yeah. more of 8-8 eight and eight every single That's year. too. You get Sean McVay, and all of a sudden that whole thing just shifted. Yeah, four out of five years it looks like the postseason. But it is Super Bowl or bust here <laughs> for the Rams. I mean, they've got to win a Super Bowl, too, to validate all this. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to be good, and that's nice. It would be nice around here to be good for four out of five years. Yeah. But the other thing is that you're doing all this and mortgaging a little bit of the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can always go back and get some of the picks, but probably not all of them. You're mortgaging a little bit of the future to try to win now. We'll see if the Rams can do it. All right, Casey, sorry I chewed up a lot of you around the NFL time. That's okay. Um, we're going to start with the tran transitive property. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Okay. Well, then you might know where I'm going. So the question that I'm going to ask you is who is actually good in the NFL, but I'm going to do that by telling you that the Cowboys lost to the Bucks, who lost to the Saints, who lost to the Giants, who lost to the Broncos, who lost to the Browns, who lost to the Steelers, who lost to the Bengals, who lost to the Jets, who lost to the Patriots, who lost to the Dolphins, and who lost to the Jags.
So who's actually good? <laughs> um, I would say the Cowboys are good because I think they've been consistent on defense, and I think they just won without Dak Prescott. Yes. And so when you can do that and still pull off a win against a Minnesota team that I think is pretty good, although I think he's a terrible coach, he's just proving that he's not a good coach mm -hmm. because they – they just find ways to lose, and they are too talented on that team, especially on offense, to lose. So I think he's awful. But uh, I would say Dallas is good, you know. I do think Buffalo is good, okay. and they're coming to town. I, I think in the NFL you're going to lose some games like they lost to the Titans. You know, that place is jacked up on a Monday night. Like, you're not going to win every game. Yeah. And so I would say they're good. I'll tell you another team I think is good is Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay just knows how to win. I don't think their lights out good. Like, they're just going to roll people kind of good that it feel, felt like Kansas City used to be. Um, and then lastly, I would say the Rams are good. Uh, I think I have a lot of confidence in the Rams. Uh, Arizona still scares me a little bit from time to time. Uh, Cincinnati, no way. I'm not there yet on them. Uh, the Raiders are in all sorts of weird stuff now. Uh, but I would pick, if I could pick four teams to ride with, I would tell you the Cowboys, the Packers, the Rams, and only one from the AFC, and that's the Bills. Yeah, I think the Bills are good. Um, I'm not sold on the I mean, the, Rav the Ravens are a good team. I'm not going to put them top five quite yet. Uh, Dallas is a good team. You can't deny that. They, they won with Cooper Rush. Green Bay, I think, is a great team, beating the Arizona Cardinals with literally nobody on offense. Tampa Bay is still a good team. I still think Arizona is a good team, and I'll, I'll take the – the Rams as well. So you've got to get my top four. Rams, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and Buffalo. So I'm, I'm matching Brent there. But, yeah, I think those are the top four teams So you right leave now. Dallas out. Yeah, I'll leave Dallas out. What the heck? I mean, if you want to go top five, then Dallas is up there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a fight for fifth place. But, yeah, Dallas is top five for sure. All right. One team we're no longer mentioning there is the Chargers, who get beat at home by the Patriots. Herbert turned it over a couple times. Um, what are the Patriots and what are the Chargers? Uh, the Patriots are a team that knows how to win and, and will find ways to win games like this, even though they're not as good as the Chargers. Like, I really just don't think the Patriots are great on paper. But Belichick has proven that he is, a, at the very least, a, a 500 kind of coach, even when he doesn't have great stuff. And that's a great spot for Mac Jones to be in, by the way. He's going to learn how to win early in the NFL. He's going to have a defense that will bail him out sometimes. He's not going to have to – he can have a vanilla stat line and still win, you know. Yeah. So he is in such a good position because of Belichick. And, the again, there's this savvy about the Patriots and the guys they bring in, an IQ about those guys that know how to get it done. So I think they are as average as the day is long, the Patriots. Okay. But – you know, they're still probably good for eight wins this year because they know how to coach up eight wins. Yeah. Uh, I think the Chargers are trying to be like, they're a little like the Bengals. Can you get seasoned enough to win and win consistently and not have a flop kind of performance? And right now, I feel like for the first time maybe in his career, it seems like Herbert is in a little bit of a funk, which begs the question, are people figuring him out a little bit? So I think they have the potential to win that division. Uh, for sure, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on it until I see a little more out of the Chargers. So who do I think the Chargers and the Patriots are after that game? I think the Patriots are who they've always been in terms of on defense. They find a way to take away your best playmaker. 
and that playmaker was Mike Williams from the Chargers. Now, what I learned about the Chargers, I learned that when Mike Williams gets taken away, yes, Keenan Allen is still serviceable, but he's not the Keenan Allen of old. He's not the Keenan Allen that can get you, you know, all these explosive plays, 30 plays down the field. It's a guy that you put in the slot and you just kind of dink and dunk to him. Now, when you lose that big play capability, when you lose that deep threat, and you have, you know, I think uh, an old tight end in Jared Cook, that hurts Justin Herbert a little bit. If you can't take the top off, the Chargers look very, I don't want to say vanilla because they're better than vanilla, but they, they just look very just average. And that goes to show you just how valuable of a receiver Mike Williams is and how and how valuable speed can be in terms of running an offense. And you saw that against the Patriots. Like, they just had no answer to go deep because Mike Williams is getting double-teamed the entire day. Something we did not talk about yesterday was Calvin Ridley and what happened with him. So before the game, it came out that he would not play for Atlanta on Sunday. He then issued a statement that, that, that said, these past few weeks have been very challenging, and as much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football at this time and focus on my mental well-being. What do you think of what Calvin Ridley did? I think it's courageous to do it. I, I mean, that's a young guy who is, is I, I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but to, to have the wherewithal to to kind of step back and, and hopefully salvage and save maybe his NFL career and, and maybe even deeper than that, um, I think it's a courageous thing to do. It's uh, I think we're seeing more and more people willing to do it uh, in all walks of life, and it's a really hard thing to do in sport especially since you get paid a lot of money and there's a responsibility and there's a bravado and all of that stuff that goes into it. Uh, so I, I, right now, I give him a lot of props. This is a good player, a talented football oh, yeah. player. They need him, too, by the way, on the field to be successful. Um, but I think it's a courageous move on his part, uh, and I hope he, I hope it pays off in a big way for him. Yeah, as Marshawn once said, you got to take care of your chickens, you got to take care of your mentals, and Kelvin Ridley is taking care of his mentals. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, unfortunately, there, there's other players in this league who probably need a break as well, but they're probably not comfortable doing that because once you walk away, um, you don't have the job security to come back. Kelvin Ridley is, is one of the better receivers in the NFL, so his job is going to always be there. So good for him for, you know, listening to his body, taking control of it, and saying something's not right. I have to get that right. So uh, I assume the organization's backing him up 100%, and we'll see what happens from there. And obviously being teammates with Hayden Hurst, probably yep. he can help Calvin Ridley a little bit with what he's going through. Um Let's go to the Colts. Colts. Carson Wentz, was that the worst thing you've ever seen, the left-handed interception that ended up almost, well, costing them the game for the most well, part? We well, one of the worst things. We watched Daniel Jones. We watched Bortles uh, a couple of times around here, throw off guys' feet and yeah. helmets and all that other stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen it before. That was, you know, I I don't know about Carson Wentz still. I mean, I know they're, they're win some of the numbers are good. We talked about this. The eye test is funky. On, on Wentz, yeah. you know, it's just weird, and yeah. um, he seems to start to find a groove, and then boom, comes back. I thought he was he really lost that game for him, and uh, some really brutal mistakes that you just can't make, and uh, so yeah, that was bad. Yeah, it's weird. Out of this whole Carson Wentz experiment, you know, he's lost them that game. But, like, then all of a sudden now, like, Michael Pittman is a legit one receiver. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's crazy, like, how he kind of, I mean, and maybe the, the writing was on the wall, but, like, I didn't expect Michael Pittman to be as good as he is right now in his career. T.Y. Hilton gets hurt again. Who knows how long he's going to be out. That's a big loss to that offense. But this is a run-first team. This is a Jonathan Taylor-type um, team. And it's almost to the point now where I don't want to call Carson Wentz a game manager, 
But, like, if you want to compete for a division, that's almost what they need him to do right now. Because when he drops back and he tries to make plays, you know, it, it happens it's more bad than good. So, yeah, it, it was a horrible showing, a horrible pass. I mean, game-changing pass in that end zone that gave up a touchdown. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. Not good. So I only have one rapid fire here, and so take. Can you really do rapid fire with one though? Okay, then it's like, just a, a, it's overtime. Then How about that? Okay, Carson went through like the it. interception. And we're in last overtime. fire. I like it. OT. <laughs> so the situation is this: since Tom Brady joined the Bucks, he's one in three against the Saints, and the only game he won was in the playoffs. And Drew Brees turned it over three times. So the question is, why can't Tom Brady figure out what the Saints are doing to him on defense? Yeah, I think it's a bad vibe. I think uh, I think everybody in every sport has this stuff. I, I think you just don't feel great going against a team, a coach, uh, uh, in a venue, whatever it might be. They play him enough now in Tampa that he could probably figure it out. But uh, it was interesting when he was on with Mannings last week on, on the Monday Night Football stuff, he, he brought up some of those, like, Baltimore defenses, the Miami defenses early in his career. Yeah. That really gave him fits. And so I think everybody has it. I mean, everybody, if you play baseball, you have a, a pitcher that might not even be that great, and you can't figure him out. Then you have somebody else that you feel so good against, you can't wait to get to the batter's box. Yeah. I think uh, there's reasons why Tiger Woods played the same courses over and over, and they pick their schedule because they love it there. They feel good there. Yeah. Uh, it just fits their eye, fits their game. So I, I think this is pretty common, really, across uh, all sports. and. It looks like the Saints right now are, are that to Brady. Yeah, so, you know, and they kind of mentioned this last night a little bit on the Peyton and Eli broadcast. And Saints love playing cover one against Tom Brady. And, and then they love crowding that line and saying, let's see if you can beat us or not. Now, it helps having a defensive line that can get home True. Um, and bring Tom Brady down. But, like, it's not like they're reinventing the wheel of how to play Tom Brady. They're just playing a lot of man coverage, and they're jamming these receivers. Now, you know, we talked about this before a little bit in terms of Mike Evans. Mike Evans, you know, when he wants to be, is one of the best wide receivers in the league. But we, we put a guy like Marcus Lattimore, who is a very physical-type cornerback, sometimes Mike Evans can go away a little bit. And when you have a big play, uh, a taller receiver like that, that's your go-to guy when the pocket starts collapsing. Well, when you can't get the ball off to Mike Evans, that hurts you as well. So, yeah, the, the Saints have had Tom Brady's number. I think it's a lot of man coverage, which is kind of ironic because Peyton and Eli talk about how they, they love seeing man coverage. I don't think Brady likes man coverage. I think Brady prefers zone coverage. That was it, That's as we discussed. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, so, so I have a question. Do you, so last night, how many people in the country watched the performance that Daniel Jones put on and thought, hey, you know what? Sean Payne should go after this guy right now. I did. Okay. One, I did. I'd rather have one, Daniel Jones one, than uh, one, Trevor Simeon. One person Made did. some beautiful throws in that game, too, again. I'll tell you what, Taysom Hill would have made that interception, though. Taysom Hill would have threw out of that interception that Daniel Jones had. That was a bad interception. Oof. Oof. I just Not wish. Good look. Here's what I don't understand, though. Late in that game, like, when they couldn't block anybody, yeah. this guy can move a little bit. Like, yeah. why didn't they roll the pocket? They just sat him back there four straight yeah. times no, yeah, to he, get crushed. I, I just don't feel like he didn't feel like hitting the prop bet last night in terms of over <laughs> yards rushing. What was it? Time. What was it? It was like 26, 27. Uh, what do you have? Not that. 12. <laughs> 12. That's <laughs> all good. By the way, also, I the guys even ask concussion. about the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs. What's up? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, just, okay. they're just average, right? So when you yeah. say that, it's yeah. funny because when I put these things together, I always assume the stuff that we have talked about or will talk about before we get to it, and nobody brought up the Chiefs because they're, no, they're trash, I guess. It's okay. No, but <laughs> I just think they've lost their swagger, man. I mean, they they, they got you can they see it different. in Patrick Mahomes' eyes. But, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, now, like, when Patrick Mahomes just kind of floats it up and just kind of, you know, throws up a prayer, 
it, now it, it's getting knocked down where it's almost intercepted. You're right. Like those before were okay, Tyreek Hill for an 80-yard touchdown. That's a great Travis call. Kelsey for a 70-yard touchdown. Like those plays aren't happening yeah. anymore. When's the last time he threw a no-look pass? No, for Certainly sure. not this year. For he's sure. looking. Yes, he's looking. <laughs> we'll be back. So Tuesdays from Top Golf continues here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I don't know if it was the environment. You know, I don't know. Um, it didn't, it didn't seem like uh, offensively we're out of uh, rhythm. You know, James went down, but, you know, Carlos is good back. And, and we just didn't have that balance. And then you start getting that darn, you get behind the scoreboard a little bit and you start doing things you're really not built to do. That is Urban Meyer. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think Carlos Hyde's an okay back. They love Carlos Hyde more than anybody's ever loved Carlos Hyde. <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. Yes, I agree with you. No, I mean, they, they lived in San Francisco that one year. He, he had pretty good showing in San Francisco. Yeah. I just think everything, like, you can make the case, and I don't believe this is true. See, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been on this train of, well, they don't like James Robinson. But I don't think that's true. I, I think that you want more backs. You don't want one back. Like, what happens if he goes down, like this week, potentially, where well, you don't have him? Yeah. Uh, you you want to keep guys fresh. It's a tough position. I mean, you get beat up every week. It's a 17-game season now. And then, of course, you wanted speed with ETN. I mean, now we see it, right? I mean, ETN would make a difference with speed on this in this offense, and that is an element that James doesn't have. But it's almost like they – I now feel like they did get a little caught up in the lack of speed for James Robinson, that almost in the back of their mind – again, it's not that they don't like him. It's yeah. that they just don't value him maybe as much – kind of in a subconscious almost kind of way because yeah. of his lack of speed. And what they learned again on Sunday is just how valuable this guy is. Like, I don't know how many more times you got to hit it right in the face to know that James Robinson is one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he's a vital part of what the Jaguars are doing. No, for sure. He's, he's your identity right now, and Urban Meyer even said that. We're not built for that. What you're built for right now as a football team is giving James Robinson the ball, and, and that's primarily – really all you're built for. Now, yeah, you can sprinkle the pass every once in a while with Trevor Lawrence, but we've seen that this passing game can't do it by themselves. They they need to play complementary football with the running game as well. I want to ask you a question, because, you know, I, I watched that Colts-Titans game a little bit um, this past Sunday. You have to go back to remember when Jonathan Taylor got drafted and take what you know now out of it. But if you could have drafted Travis Etienne or Jonathan Taylor, who would you have drafted? Um, like on the Jags, like right now, say, say you're telling me like Jonathan Taylor was available in this year's draft. Yes. I I don't think I would have drafted Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Uh, because well, I don't because I think I have that guy in James Robinson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I got you. Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Jonathan Taylor, you know, might combine the two. Yes. I think he combines the two, number one, but number two, he adds, like, this is a second-round pick. Yeah, yeah. Right? This, was, this, this yeah. wasn't a first-round guy. Um, you know, now there's speculation that the Jaguars wanted him in the yeah, second yeah. round, and that's why Dineff was traded up to get him. Who knows? You got, you got James Robinson, so we're not complaining. But I'm just saying, I think when Jonathan Taylor was selected in the second round, like, yeah, he was going to be a good back, but we didn't, at least I didn't expect him to be the home run hitter. I didn't expect him to be yeah. the, 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 this dynamic yeah, guy. He felt more like a plotter at yeah. Wisconsin, right? And, and fantasy experts were all over saying, oh, he's not going to do that well because you still have Naeem Hines, you have Marlon Mack. Well, Jonathan Taylor has kind of cemented himself now as an every-down back. 
in the past game, obviously in the run game, and he has presented himself now as a home run hitter as well. And this is a second-round pick. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, what is Travis Etienne going to look like then? Because you saw what a second-round pick in Jonathan Taylor do for this Colts offense. Now, I get that you have Carson Wentz and the offense isn't firing on all cylinders, but I'll tell you right now, the problem is not the run game. They're, they're one of the better running teams in yeah. the NFL. So I wonder what a first-round Travis Etienne is going to do in the backfield, out of the slot, wherever you put him. But you see what a second-round guy in Jonathan Taylor can do for you. Yeah, it's a good call. Like, I, I think the, the one thing about Etienne, like, Taylor is a more physical back than Etienne, in my yes, opinion. Yes, of course. Yeah. But Etienne can run, th run between the tackles. Like, I mean, <laughs> he was like the all-time leading rusher or whatever in the in the ACC yeah you know I mean this guy has un unbelievable career and, and again the ACC is different than playing the NFL I understand that uh, but I think we have this in our head around here and I'm a little guilty of this that okay you got the guy that's in between the tackles and James Robinson now you got to go get the guy that can score from anywhere on the field and he can do a variety of things and he's more like a third down back and while I think the Jags would have utilized him like that mm -hmm. I think if let's just say he stayed healthy and now James Robinson was going to miss a couple of weeks. I think he could have easily gone back there, carried the load 24 times, and still given you the option of what he gives you in the speed part of the game and in that part of the playbook. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, and keep in mind also, Jonathan Taylor took a little bit time to get going there in Indianapolis. They had well, multiple yeah, backs as yeah, well. Yeah, it was kind of a running back by committee yeah. for a while. Uh, but he certainly hit a new gear, right? Yeah. It feels and, like. And I think going forward, I mean, what Jonathan Taylor has meant to that organization in terms of being dynamic on offense, you hope that, you know, Travis Etienne can at least match that in terms of being dynamic and what he means. Yeah. Uh, what does uh, Jonathan Taylor have, like, from a, let's just say, a uh, touchdown standpoint? Um I don't know his full stats. I'm going to look it up real quick. Good radio. We get it. I know it. Um, I mean, it seems like he's doing pretty well. Uh, he's got six touchdowns this year. Okay, what's his? 121 yards. I'm sorry, 121 rushes, 649 yards. Okay, what's that per carry? Do you know? Oh, man, Brett, you're throwing a lot at me. Uh, so Long right now, division. he's, he's at 5.4 uh, yards per carry. He's at what? 5.4. That's good. So uh, 81.1 yards per game. Yeah, so he's doing everything. I mean, six touchdowns, and, I mean, in the receiving game, he's even caught 21 passes. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's done it all. So the question to which you're basically asking is, like, let's just say James Robinson isn't here, just uh, in this hypothetical. Yeah. Can Travis Etienne do that? Well, yeah, exactly. And I guess what I was getting at is, you know, you took a guy in the first round, and I get so he was hurt this year, not going to fault him for that injury. He's happened. Hopefully he comes out next year and he hits the ground running. But I'm just saying, do you think ETN is going to have an influence on this offense like Jonathan Taylor's had an influence on that Colts offense, you know, his second or third year in the NFL now? Yeah, I... I, I think it's I, second year would have been, right? Uh, second, second year. Yeah, second year, yeah. I would actually say I do think ETN. Like, I can see now more and more as this goes along how they would have used e ETN and how valuable he could have been to this offense. Okay. Now, I think he kind of would have gone into kind of like what Jonathan Taylor did. There would have been some moments in his rookie year, but it would maybe evolve more in, in year number two and year three and beyond that. I think that's what we're seeing with Taylor. So, yeah, to answer your question, I, I think ETN can give you that. What I don't know if he'll be asked to do all of that early on, even maybe in year two, as long as James Robinson's still getting the job done. Yeah. But you could see a scenario where ETN, let's just say he had come in here and done very well, and he does very well next year, and the Jags get to, like, that fourth year on, on James Robinson, and or, or actually this year they could give him a, a contract extension if they want to after yeah. this season. But And they say, you know what? 
we don't have to throw the bank at this guy. Maybe we trade him away and we got a piece to trade or something like that because we like what ETN's doing. You know, kind of like what the Colts could do with Marlon Mack, you know? Well, I mean, it's essentially what the Saints did with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. True. Yeah. So you could see that. I'm not predicting that, by the way. I'd rather have both guys, too. I'll, yeah, I'd keep your um, But one other thing, and this may be a little bit, this isn't like they draft him at number 33 or 4. Yeah. They drafted him at 41 in the second round, and I think a lot of GMs would say, hey, if I think this player's going to be dynamic, to get him at number 25, not like number 8, but number 25, I get an extra year out of that guy. Yeah. So picking him later in the first round, is there really that much of a difference between picking them 34th or even 41st mm. and the 25th? Now, 41 to 25 seems like a pretty good stretch. It does, yeah. Um, but it would be a nice measuring stick to see in the career of Jonathan Taylor versus maybe what Travis Etienne is capable of doing. Yeah, and now so. that they picked him in the first round, at least they've got four good years left of him after the injury. Correct. You know, so it almost does benefit them. Uh, in a strange way. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Tuesdays from Top Golf. What do you think about Game 6 tonight? Is it the Astros to win? The Braves close it out. Uh, we talk a little bit about that because it's trade deadline day. The Major League Baseball trade deadline is way better than the NFL one. We'll be back on ESPN 690. My guys keep fighting. Um, I'm a huge MMA fan, and I've seen a lot of guys almost knocked out, and they find a way to battle back and fight. And... Uh, you know, being 3-1, um, now we're still down 3-2, but I truly believe that if there's one team that can accomplish that in, in, in this league, it's us. So we're staying confident. We're just going to go out there, battle every single inning, and try to win every single pitch. There's more team than one that can do it in, in the league, okay? Mm -hmm. Who was that, Correa? Yep. Nice. Pretty good guess. Nicely done. <laughs> um, it was so funny the other day. Were you watching Game 5 of the uh, World Series? And I think it was Buck who was saying, uh, he's like, well, of all the scenarios that were painted, I doubt Garcia will come in on short day rest. And like, right after the game, they get uh, Dusty Baker on. He's like, yeah, I'll probably go with Garcia. Garcia, <laughs> short day's rest. Here we go. Yep. Um, that's something to watch, of course. Yeah. Here we go, Game 6, Major League Baseball World Series. Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, the Braves have a uh, Braves fever. You can watch the game on Fox 30, by the way. Ratings have been unbelievable. The Braves fans have come out of the woodwork. I mean, I've never seen ratings this high in Jacksonville. Huh. Uh, now, they, I, I asked somebody in the station, and they said, yeah, that we've had some, like, a couple years back. Uh, I forget which one it was. If they broke down some of the numbers, they would be somewhat equivalent. But these numbers are pretty strong in Jacksonville, the ones I'm looking at over the last few days, and especially Sunday. I said this on Twitter. This is very unusual for the World Series to beat football. It beat the Cowboys on Sunday night football. That's wild. The World Series did. Yeah. I mean, that is, again, I don't see that very often. Uh, but I think it's because they had a chance to clinch. I think the Braves fans are out and about. I mean, there's certainly a lot of Braves fans like that aren't every single day Braves fans. Sure. It's been a tough go. It's been no, since 1999 since the World Series. 95 since they won. Yeah, that's okay. I, I have no problem with the bandwagon folks in sports. I, I think that's what builds fan bases, quite frankly. And, well, and that's how the kids yeah. grow on and like a team, yeah. you know? It, it, it depends the situation. Like, I mean, I think for, for Braves fans, I have no problem with teams happy, uh, put, uh, fans hopping on that bandwagon. Like the whole, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Casey can attest to this as well. The whole national what did you predators, almost say? 
I almost said Coos, but I didn't. I caught myself. Starts with the K, okay? KC. The whole KC thing, though, with uh, the National Predators, I think their whole bandwagon jumping um, did, didn't do it for me. I'm not sure how you feel about it, Casey. I, I got confused when you almost called me the wrong name. Okay. Uh, well, then, yeah. She shot the ego. Good. Here we go. It's all good. Sorry. Brent, Brent said Coos's name before we, get, we came yeah, back on. I think on I said something I got, like, shut up, Coos. Yeah, and I, I got a little thrown um, Sorry. All right. Yeah, well, I don't mind bandwagon fans is the moral of the story. And by the way, like, how many bandwagon fans are there of your Tampa Bay Lightning? <laughs> like, mm. like a litany mm. of them. Mm. <laughs> and that's how, see, that's the beauty of it. The yeah. Lightning now have a great fan base yeah. in Tampa. Why? Because they've been good. Uh, you know, when Tampa first got the franchise, were all those fans fans? No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when they start winning, and it's like, wow, that place Martin is State electric. Louis. I want to yeah. go. Yeah. Well, then they come on. That's, I have no problem with bandwagon fans. And, and You know what? I think we would take some in Jacksonville. That's exactly it. Like, I want these kids right here to like the Jags. Brent, and if they were to walking by, if they were to win the kids now, if they were to win the Super Bowl and Trevor Lawrence, they'd be wearing Trevor Lawrence shirts walking into Top Golf. How are you going to put kids on the spot when they're walking in, man? They're uh, like, a shout five years them. old. They don't, they don't know what's going on. Fine. I mean, okay. But All those right. are the kids. That's what happens. Like, <laughs> I see more Patrick Mahomes jerseys around here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, because it's the cool Patrick thing. Mahomes. I mean, it's the cool thing. It doesn't. Uh, he's, he's in the state farm commercials yeah i i think first of all trevor has a chance to do that i think kind of across the country if he's State very very good oh well, uh, yeah he's, he's already he's in subway yeah well, that's okay he'll be on everything yeah, I get him um, State Farm. if he's good and, and yeah. if the jags are good and listen i mean there are russell wilson fans everywhere now seattle see people five years ago six years ago people wondered if seattle still had an organization true <laughs> you know? true i mean that's how it works and uh could the Jags? See, I thought in 17, because the defense was so good, I thought the Jags might have had a chance to be the cool team. Oh, of course. You know, like yeah. people would root for all over the place. Not Again, not all across the country. Because you have your standard fan bases. And the people that like these, uh, like the Giants, right? Or like the Cubs or the Red Sox or the mm -hmm. Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever it might be. Those teams that have been around forever, they're like, oh, I like bandwagon fans. Where have you been? It's like, well, give me a team that did a little something. Yeah. You know, before you can have those teams have a history of success. Like you, you're a Dodgers fan or a Yankees fan because your grandfather was or your dad was. Or sure. well, the Jags don't have any of that. A uh, team like the Lightning doesn't have any of that. And the Braves, I mean, really, they've lost a whole generation of that. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, they they haven't done anything in over 20 years. When you haven't done anything in 20 years, you've lost a generation yeah. of a fan base. Which, by the way, the Jaguars have kind of done that in their own city. <laughs> yeah, no, for but sure. the Braves have done that in their own city too. Really, I mean, all these kids grew up without. Now you're seeing 24-year-old kids at the game, like, yeah, I've loved the Braves since 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, you're right. Couldn't name a player five years ago. <laughs> no, I got you. But that's okay to me. Like, that's okay. That's fine. That's how fan bases grow. Yeah. Why are you yeah. mad at the Lightning? I'm cool with that. I'm not mad at the Lightning, but the Bucks are this way too. You, you tell me. Ooh, okay. Careful. Go to the Deer District in 2012. There were people district. would have showed up. The, that would have looked like Halloween on an the, empty cold. Okay, well, the, the Deer District was. The, there is no Deer District without the, the finals. Like the, they start the Deer District because of the finals. You get my point. No, but I mean, I will be honest though. I think in Wisconsin, there's just Bucks fans. It, it's not like. See, that's why I think like 
Braves fans, they're always going to be there because Atlanta's a big city. Now, like, maybe you don't talk about them that much, but, like, there's still fandom there. Well, that's like, I think there's and yeah. all that, but, right? like, They were I, a national yeah. brand. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how many bandwagon jumpers that there were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but, yeah, the Deer District was, was lit, as okay. the kids say. Yeah, uh, I guess my point to that is not too many people were wearing a Jack Sigma jersey over the last 25 years in wearing Milwaukee. Ray Allen, wearing Ray Allen jerseys. Maybe. What do you mean maybe? I have one in my possession. Hey, you uh, are. Everyone's, okay. All right, man. I'm telling you, I think Ray Allen meant a lot for that city. I'm telling you that since Giannis has got there, the Bucks fandom has grown 25-fold compared to what it was for the last when? 40 years. Oof, Brent, you, you have to go back to the 90s, though, man, when it was Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and the big dog going against Allen Iverson in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Glenn Robinson. Yeah, a.k.a. the big dog. I b would tell you that if they built a deer district that year, only half the population would have showed. So you think that if the Bucks would have made the finals with Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, and Sam Cassell, and they would have actually beat the uh, 76ers, that the deer district would be half as full? Yep. No, no, I didn't say they would actually beat them. I said in for that series. Well, oh, for, for the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. The Deer District would have been half as full. Yep. I disagree. Um, I disagree hard. But. All right, so did the Braves win tonight, Casey Kurtz? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> you see, you're, you're like the, one of these guys that kind of likes misery a little bit instead of thinking positively. Okay. Because he hates the Astros. Yeah. Now he thinks the Astros are going to come back and win. So do okay. I. Five, don't, don't so do six, that. and seven. Don't do so that. Do don't do that. I thought they were going to win the whole time. I have an hour show yep, after this. I'm not going to give you that. for the second time all of my thoughts on it. That's why you yep. got to listen to the hour yep. show. Oh, that's a little appetizer. Good tease. We have, and last hey, time we'll, you said no one's listening to your show, tonight. by the way. That's yep. what you led me with last time. So okay, hopefully I'll get a little better than that this time. I was going to say five people are now. Oh, wow, man. This is on our station. You're acting like we don't work for the station. Why would you say that? Casey, you, you hey, set me up. Casey you're, you're a great server, man. We have great specials tonight. That's all you got to say. <laughs> Stick with us, and we'll have the specials later to you. So do you think great Houston looking wins? List. I'm do sorry? Do you think he, Yeah, Houston I think Houston wins. wins. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think the Braves win. Braves will win game six. It's on Fox 30. It's on ESPN 690. And uh, hang out for Casey's show no. after oh, 6 o'clock. No, tell, tell us how you really feel, Brent. <laughs> we'll be back. Action Ouch. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Tuesdays with Top Golf. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.